All right, yo, yo, yo. This is the day Camille Kelly back with another episode of Can't Get Enough of. Oh my gosh. The crazy part about this episode is um, a couple of things. Uh, this will probably be the first one that I actually like chop up together and have video to the audio. Um, and I'll drop the audio first in the video. And the second is that this has actually been an episode that's been like all year in planning, basically, and kind of got like. <laughs> chopped up with this whole coronavirus stuff um so i do have a guest on this episode um and i'll allow her to introduce herself because it's always better when you know my guests do it can't nobody do it like you you know mm-hmm. <laughs> all right hi y'all i'm elia i'm 24 years old i'm from new york um i guess well i'm a dancer that's what i mostly do mostly in Afrobeat and hip-hop but i also am I guess you could say I'm on a conscious journey or a spiritual journey. Like I started my spiritual path in 2016 and I've just been like more like deeply involved in myself and also like just kind of decoding different topics and different things like that are in my life and also the collective, like the black diaspora collective. I've been just kind of like decoding and getting messages and trying to like, you know, really talk about and just get into these kind of conversations. That's why I'm glad that, I was asked to do this podcast because it was definitely a topic that grabbed my interest. And um, yeah, so we can get yeah. started. And, and, and before we just jump into what was what was significant about 2016? Because I feel like 2016 was... Yo, of- I've been like um, thinking about it because like I feel like I had this epiphany like recently because I realized that it's been like a four year kind of mark type thing. So like yeah. the in terms of like the spiritual awakening or like more people hopping onto the wave or like the journey or something so I feel like the first like real wave for this new age happened in 2012 and that was like I guess like that was been misconstrued as like the end of the world but even though that it was wasn't- that was actually that year that the world yeah, was in. That's that year. and um a lot of people thought it was physical death like oh my god it's gonna be the apocalypse like and it's always a pattern every time this four-year um journey happens like on a collective scale people mm-hmm. miss the it and like have this fear-based mentality that's going to be something like you know catastrophic and technically it is but it's still like has been (laughs) yeah it's definitely been and that's what I'm talking about like it's a pattern so 2012 was like that everybody was going crazy it's the end of the world it's apocalypse meanwhile a lot of people are having these like big awakenings on a mass level Mm -hmm. um so like I know a lot of people who had a lot of awakenings in in 2012 starting then and then the next four years coming after that 2016 that's when I had my awakening and that's you know getting involved and seeing that other people were also on that wave and like I guess 2020 2016 somebody had something happened too and then coming to 2020 now more people are having this awakening because I'm seeing more people getting on this path and like you know resonating with some things that they didn't used to resonate with when I was on this journey starting in 2016 and now we got COVID now we got everything happening in the world and now people are saying oh December 21st is gonna be the end da 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 and it's just another fear-based mentality that comes along with the same pattern with these awakening marks yeah. in time. And it's just like crazy because I feel like it's really just a duality, a dualistic point of view. It's like based on perspective. It's like you're either joining the wave of awakening or you're just following the fear-based mentality of constriction. So I like the way you put that. Yo, 20, 2016, for me too, that's when I kind of like got into it. Um, mm-hmm. as far as spirituality and just trying to navigate 
where I wanted my thought process um, to be as far as, you know, like conflict with religion, conflict with, you know, believing in the higher deity, like just all of those things like started to manifest more and more as I grew into myself. And now I'm here in 2020. And I feel, for me personally, like where people might've been graduating high school at that time, like just, I guess, like figuratively speaking, uh, I was like coming out of middle school and this is me like 2020. This is like me getting into college now as far as like my awakening and the way I see things and feel things and process that. Um, so it's always funny hearing people uh, say 2016, and that's a four year too. Like when you yeah, numbers in. Hey, it's the four years because 2020 is a four year. <laughs> it, it, it writes itself, and um, I've, I've debated people as far as like the impact of 2020, like how heavy it's been. Uh, you think of like eyesight, 2020 vision, and things like that. Like it just mm-hmm. it just gets real deep and like yo. Like the fact that we've been put in this position of so for so long stillness and awakening and yeah. fear at the same time, like all of those things have made 2020 like such a year. Yeah, like they definitely served their purpose. Like even though like it's really about perspective going back to that, like obviously like it's a tragedy was happening with a lot of people and a lot of people's family members and like just mentally it takes a toll on you but also like just to have this moment to have such a profound and prolonged time to be still and really reflect and introspect like that's really what everybody needs on a global scale so it's just manifesting. like once it comes up to the surface it's manifesting in the collective and that's why it seems like it's so much chaos but it's really because everything that was inside is built up and it's been coming out and now it's like you see everything going on in the world and i'm like that's really the shadow coming up yeah it's it's really crazy and it's like um for me where i've been i've been really insensitive if you if like when i think about it on a larger scheme because like I know it's much more than, you know, just the fear that we can naturally put ourselves in those pockets. So like my conflict through this whole year has been like, how do I remain sensitive to those people who are operating out of fear because they don't know no better? Those people who know a little better, but still are choosing. So like that conflict has been with me all year as far as my sensitivity, because when you know better, you have to do better and you have to show people. And I think that's a conflict that um that people who are more awakened always have because they know they just go about doing and acting in a way that's like putting other people down and this year i never wanted to put anybody down but i it was a lot to um be where i am uh spiritually and where i've been guided and also see people who aren't there but knowing they could be there and wanting wanting them to be there you know Yeah, definitely. Like I've been going through that too, especially back in 2016, like, and just when I first started this journey, like it's frustrating, like knowing that other people have this potential because like you realize that everybody is kind of like, you know, you realize the potentiality, but also like you just have to, well, I learned that everybody's on a different path and like, you know, people come into this life with like, not the same journey and not the same goals. And like, you know, not everybody is going to learn the same thing at the same capacity. But sometimes people might agree not to even get to the point where you are. And it's just like, you got to like, just 
respect that and I guess accept it. And that's what is giving me peace at this moment because it's like, you can't be worried about everybody because that's just going to take me off of my path. And right. I don't need like, like they say, like when you get on an airplane, you're supposed to uh, put your mask on. Yeah, 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 put your mask on. It didn't help. Like, um, so to get into what we're going to talk about is, is it was very relevant when we first planned it out. And I was just telling you before we got on that it's still kind of uh, relevant now when we talk about Black men uh, and the way they're depicted in today's society whether it's through over uh, feminizing them, whether it's through, um, I feel like there's this, you know, toxic masculinity conversation, um, black men and patriarchy. And I'm not saying those conversations aren't important, but it's the, it's the way that is going about, you know, it feels more agenda-based than having a genuine conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know being a black man you don't want to like i want to be open to criticism uh where it's appropriate but i also want to be open to dialogue as far as where we can improve uh how how would you say uh the image of the black man has changed or has been you know from your point of view as a black woman um well you mean change since what point all right so i was having this conversation um uh, back in nineties, if you think about like TV shows and sitcoms, black comedy, um, the black father was like the most important role in all of the shows. If you go down sister, sister, fresh Prince, um, and the list goes on over time, that kind of changed. And we haven't seen like that type of black male figure portrayed by the media or uh, just brought up in general when we're having conversations, whether it be political or social conversations. Right. Well, like, I feel like this was, like, this goes back even further than that, but it's just a different tactic for the time period. Cause like, this is an ongoing like agenda that's happening, but since it's more easier to see in TV shows and in the media in general, like it's like really starting to become more like tangible as like the, how it's really been manifested over time. Like, Mm -hmm. so in the age of media, you see it happening. Like you see, okay, back then there was more father figures taking stronger roles. And then like, since then now it's kind of like drifting off and you could see the change. And now you see like, there's not, there's like not many strong father figures or just black male roles in media in general but um that's definitely just like a just a section of like this ongoing issue that's been happening before that the media like it goes all the way back to shit slavery because (laughs) like for real because like in slavery what did what did they do like they literally beat people they they raped men into submission they castrated them they humiliated them demoralized them so like this has been happening for years like it's deeply ingrained in not just black women but it's important to highlight the black male because like once you think about just structures and reality like structures don't change without physical work or without physical action and when you think of masculine energy or the man and what the man does because the man inhabits masculine energy for the most part. Um, 
masculine and physical change and action go hand in hand. So once you think about um, the structures that are put in place and the, the people who have the ability to change structures or put structures into place, that is the male role in society. Mm-hmm. So now we see like in patriarchy, currently the white man is in control because he's done the job of oppressing and breaking down the structures that we created when we were originally indigenous people in our own lands when we did have the control and the power, but they changed that structure by, you know, beating us down and emasculating the black man because they saw the black man as the biggest threat because they know like, and that's not to say that black women are also oppressed. It's just that in this case, in this case, the black men have the ability to actually physically change structures. So their role is to guide and give the physical protection and also create the physical change while the black woman's role was to also uplift and build and create the development of the community while the black man actually built the structures and protected the community. So now the white man sees us as a threat. So now they've used years and years, they've guided, they've spent years and years trying to put us down so that they can get in control so that we don't get in control so that we don't gain our power again. Because if we do, then none of this will be happening. Like all of the structures and everything would just be stopped. We wouldn't have let it get to this point. You know, we would have been to control. We would have been empowered. You know, the rebellion would have been put in place. We would have been creating new structures. So it's like we wouldn't be so dependent to these systems that are already in place that were never meant for us. You know what I mean? Right. And, and that's the thing. What they think the rebellion will be, like just the entire white infrastructure, is actually what we don't want. Like we don't want to do what you did to us because that's wrong. It's immoral. We have never been uh, uh, barbaric people. Yeah. Like that's not what like, we are. We believe in like the world, oneness, you know, nature, you know, and things like that. And when you look at history and you look at where these people come from, the people who had to be in the mountains and literally kill each other just to yeah. survive, like the mentality was never the same. Honestly. And like, I feel like it's so unpopular to say, especially in these times, and you know, it's so unpopular to say like masculine energy is okay. And there's an expectation that comes with masculine energy. Mm-hmm. And we see it predominantly in male creatures and men and black men. And the way it's been stripped from black men and the way we have to fight to protect it, I guess the guard that we have to put up just to like, yo, I'm a man too. When you look at that, it makes sense because we are victims of, you know, white male patriarchy, white supremacy and things like that. And I feel like when we have these conversations online that kind of get lost in it. Like the reason why we feel like we have to do more is because we've been beaten repetitively for doing nothing at all. Now I feel like you got to overcompensate. And that's what it is a lot. It's an overcompensation because that's only human nature, you know, like mm-hmm. you, you can see that, like that exact example in something else. Like when a kid doesn't get their way repetitively, they overcompensate their behavior, whether it be negative or positive to get what they want. That's just who that's human nature, you know, right. and it's so wildly unpopular to say that black, it's okay for black men to uh, exhibit masculine energy. 
Um, because when they do, when black men are assertive, then it's portrayed as toxic or mm. you, you not, you not, you out of line, boy. Yeah, it's really a lose-lose situation because it's like, you know, when they do assert themselves, then it's toxic, but when they're not, and then when they're like, you know, expressing their emotions, then they're too feminine and this and that. And it's like the main difference or the main thing about this emasculation agenda topic is that like, it's not to get it confused with men or black men expressing their emotions. Like you can definitely still have a feminine side because like ultimately we both like men and women feminine energy inside of them and the goal is to ultimately balance them but the issue is when those balances are out of balance like when those energies are out of balance that's when the issues come into play because like they do hold their purpose like feminine women are or women are meant to have feminine features or we're naturally more in tune to feminine qualities for a reason you know we're more compassionate we have to have these um behaviors are um we have to naturally be in tune for different you know not just biological processes but for different purposes in nature and in the universe just like men like men are are have like masculine energy which manifests in different ways for the purposes of a harmonious connection with feminine so like they do serve their purpose but like it's ultimately when they're manipulated purposely like in this in this case the white man is manipulating the black man's emotions and the black man's um, energies to the point where now it's like we're docile, we're passive, or the black men specifically are too passive or too um, feminine or too laid back and not really like stepping into their natural nature, which is to protect and to be proactive and combative to a sense in the situations that call for it. So it's really just about knowing when the energies need to be embodied and when they need to be used and how they need to be balanced. And it's just been out of balance. And that's really the main issue that we're talking about. Like, or at least like my, in my point, that's what the main issue is. Like just- No, I agree because- the energy, There's only- Go ahead. No, I'm just like cl closing it out. Like there's only two energies that we're talking about, but it's like, it's like, there's so many other topics that might conflict with like this topic, but it's just like, you know, a lot of people might have certain emotional connections to this topic or just like, you know, sexuality or just yeah. um, male and woman and toxic masculinity. And that it always gets brought up, but I think at the core, we're talking about the duality that exists yeah. in the world of masculine and, and feminine. Like, mm -hmm. We see, and it because I feel like when we talk about sexuality, when we talk about sex, like gender and all of that, it, it starts personal, like and like you making it about you and not yeah. just masculine and feminine energy, which exists in nature. No yeah, where you want to put it, it ex yeah, like matter or that exists. It still has to be, it still has to be balanced, like right. so that thing but that's the main issue behind it like a lot of people have had personal biases towards these topics or I guess an emotional connection to I guess a certain sexuality or a certain preference or a certain way of viewing these things or like when it comes to toxic masculinity like men might feel like overly or hyper 
focused on protecting the men and just bashing the woman or vice versa. The woman might feel overly protected for the woman and now they're just feminists and now it's, I hate men and I don't like, like it's toxic on either part and like people right. don't still like causing the imbalances. And that's the same thing that we're talking about in the core in nature's two forces that are not balanced. And that's what we have to like, we have to release all of our emotional attachments towards these topics and really just view the situation from the outside in and be neutral about it and understand that there's really two forces that are working in nature. And we have to get those back into balance in order for us to grow as people. And, and that's that's one of the things, that's like one of the little bulletin points that I had like in this conversation because it has nothing to do with, like this conversation has nothing to do with uh, black men being homophobic, uh, black men being transphobic, uh, black men being like anti-black women, whatever the phobias and is yeah. yeah. for days and days. And it's just going to still just perpetuate the same never ending emotional attachments that are just going to keep on going and going like a cycle. Like we're trying to cut that and bring it back to the middle. Like, right. And why do you, why, why do you think it's so easy to, for people when they have this conversation to go to the phobias and the isms instead of just having a real conversation? Why is it so emotional for somebody to say like, yo, masculine energy exists and feminine energy exists. Uh, we see masculine energy more with men and feminine energy mm -hmm. with women and it's a duality amongst both. Yet black men are not able to, their, their masculinity isn't able to be empowered the way it naturally is designed to yeah it's really just a matter of like projections like projecting their own hurt because like in most cases they've been hurt by other people or if like i guess the man has been hurt by the woman or vice versa and like that hurt is coming from the same imbalances in the character and behaviors which still stems from the same issues so it's like the issue and the cause is being perpetuated and then when they're having these conversations and they're projecting it onto each other like these conversations are indicative of the very issues that are happening within themselves that are perpetuated by the system of being, of being swayed away from the balance by systematic oppression so it's really just all like a cycle right. of this you know root issue that we need to address at the cause like because if we don't address that then we're never going to get to the root of it and we're just going to keep on swimming in the surface but we're just treading in the same spot like we're not going anywhere mm -hmm. so I don't know people just like to kind of like get their ego yearn churning with this conversation that's why they like having it back and forth it's really not to try to get anywhere men just want to you know be and talk for men men just want to big up themselves and so do women or if they feel a certain way about a certain topic and then it's, it's just like ego drives you know right right that that's why it's so hard to have conversation I, I i refuse to have certain conversations online unless i'm intentionally trolling because like, yeah. you already know what's gonna go because you know like where they're coming from originally like right. and even I, if you have pure intent to have a real dialogue it doesn't matter even if you yeah. ask like legit questions and say like I'm asking these questions because I genuinely want to know your position and why you feel that way. It still go left. Yeah. <laughs> you don't really care to have yeah. 
conversation. Like you don't want to get to the root of your issue and the issue as a whole. Yeah. Because people don't want to get to the root of their issues when it comes to the perception of uh, masculine, the perception of feminine. They don't want to get to like, oh my gosh, like what it actually is has been manipulated over four or 500 years. Yeah, like it's like you can't segment or you can't separate or segment and put them into like different groups what you care to call and label as white supremacy. If we're going to talk about police brutality and how that's an example of white supremacy, and we're going to talk about the political system, and we're going to talk about the sociological systems, we also have to talk about the relationship between Black men and Black women, because we have to come to a point and realize that that's also indicative of white supremacy and what they've done to try to keep the position that we're at right now and understand that how we're addressing it is not progressive and it's not helping us so i feel like we continue to fall for the same trope especially nowadays in in Mm. political climate as far as the divisiveness between black men and black women it's like yo like y'all don't see the bigger play like it's not about like oh black women vote and black men never show up and this and And then every election there's always something that happens with that's projected into the media that kind of like is done to like purposely stir our emotions towards like a black issue in order for us to evolve or be pulled to you know be more influenced by the political like the politics and to and now like you could see even in the debates like one of the the topics is oh police brutality or like how are we gonna you know the blacks the blacks how are we gonna get them to like they call us the blacks like (laughs) like we don't we like when you think about that like all the debates as far as having this conversation about blackness it's always framed from this divisive spectrum of criminality and like where we have criminals and then we have the good the good negroes like it's never like the duality that exists of you know we are a spectrum of people and mm-hmm. just like any other group you know we're going to have people who fall from crime to president of the United States yeah and no one wants to address the middle it's just oh right. all criminals and let's deal with uh, criminality like no we don't want to focus on like educating them and like really talking to them and like having people who Oh, my bad. Having people who really represent, you know, different voices and different spectrums on like different opinions and different sides of the spectrum. It's just like that one, they focus on one thing, that one divisive thing to get us like going back and forth. And the most annoying thing about Black people is that we're so emotional. Exactly. We care so much. It's so easy to trigger us into getting riled up and that's so annoying like and we can't help ourselves in that regard no honestly and it's just like since we're so attached to the system it's kind of like uh what is it called the stockholm syndrome syndrome. 
the the system because it's like not just the people anymore like now the, obviously white people are controlling the system and since we have a Stockholm relationship to white people since this is the system that they created we're still under that same like spell or that under that same influence because now we're still like all of our emotional energy is going towards it even though in reality in order for us to get where we need to be we should be directing it away from that system but it's like no vote 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 they're killing us vote they're <laughs> it's like do you really in your heart of hearts believe that voting is gonna change any of this like this is literally this has been happening for years and this is the same cycle like I was reading um a passage in this book that I um was just reading that was written in the 80s and she, she the author of it was talking about how like we can't keep on going about it the same way like being emotionally connected to it or having an emotional emotional response and then voting for a white man who's gonna who we feel is supposed to be the savior complex and she wrote that 40 years ago right. so the same place where it's like literally a cycle and you just keep on letting it happen and it's just like you, you know you have to have a logical standpoint like just like how we view this situation and being neutral about it and like coming from a logical perspective like you can't view these things from a hyper emotional perspective because then you're not going to get anywhere because this is where we've been for years and this is how they literally control us like it's systemic right you know and it's like being being neutral and seeing both sides of it especially you know with this whole because the way this conversation flows as far as the politics is like like you said vote or die like like we're gonna die like yo we've already been dying honestly we haven't escaped death and <laughs> no like name a time period where we escaped death in this country and under this reign of white supremacy that's the whole thing. Like, why even have that fear-based mentality kind of, like, statement, vote or die? Like, that shouldn't even be something that we, like, look and let influence us because right. that's what I even want to do. Like, I don't want to be influenced through fear in order to do something. Like, oh that's... It drives, it drives me nuts. And I'm usually a political nut, um... Because like I'm I'm a black nationalist. Like my blackness is before everything. I put that on the line. And the way politics have has been, what these last two years, uh, leading up to like where we are now, like yo, it's so far away from like where I feel like black people got a chance, bro. Like it's it's no way. Like we've we've experienced these last four years, and we're gonna experience four more years, and we have no control. But what we do have control over is our personal situations. And I feel like when we, ha when we have to have these conversations that are crucial, when we talk about masculine and feminine, uh, femininity, like we allow politics, we allow pop culture to take us away, take black people away from harmonizing and coming together because we spend so much time fighting the, 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 the oppressors made up fight like we just like blindfolded and they said fight to the death we don't know that we're killing each other we just know that we're killing something to stay alive and it's just like yo like i i i i see where this conversation of politics has manipulated us and like it's just so frustrating because it's like yo we're we're this close we were this close to like 
we just need everybody to get on board and just say like, nah, we, we stepping back to deal with our shit. And yeah. I feel like it's never a right time for us to have these conversations like with each other. That's what people say because it's being divisive and we have to focus on voting and like, no, no, no. We have to focus on healing. And it's just like, I always think like they're really just sitting back, sipping on their, kicking their feet up and sipping on their wine because they really don't have to do any other work because we're doing it for them. Like that's how much of self-destruction has happened within our community. Like even in globally, like this is not just in America, like just thinking about what's happening in Africa too, like with the police brutality over there, like even though there's black people killing black people, like that doesn't mean that it's- Colonized mind, you know? Supremacy, yeah, you feel me? Like it's all the same. Like these people have literally conquered and oppressed us all around the world. So we can't just think within this country. It's not, oh, Biden, like we have to vote this guy out it's not just in this country like this system this systemic racism is happening all over the world so what about other countries who don't have as of a developed political system or who don't feel as hopeful towards their system their systems like in america even though i don't know who feels hopeful about our system but i'm (laughs) if systems were even slightly better than third world countries or in other countries where who has predominantly black people in it what about them like right what's the, and, and how, do, and, how, how do we step back here in america because i feel like it's as privileged as we are like uh black people relations with like um caribbeans with like africans is fractured like how mm-hmm. do we step back and like while also like dealing with like what we go through here step back and like try to heal each other that way as well. How, how, how do you think that can go about? Because honestly, like when, when we see these online conversations, I hate it because we really gotta be, we really start gotta start like linking up with each other and having real conversations. But it's always like, oh, y'all feel this way or y'all said this when we came to the country. And that was culture war. And now it's like, oh, you don't know anything about our culture, this and that. So. You shouldn't be talking. Just stay there where you are in America. Don't worry about what's happening over here. Like, and that's another thing. Like when you get to deep, when you think about it, like we all, even though we're from different cultures or whatever, like there's really no difference but a, a boat stop. Like we still all technically come from the same blood. And even though our cultures are different, we still have similarities. Like even like in the dances, even through dances or food and other ways that we express culture. Like you sense, and I see like as a dancer, I dance Afrobeat and I also dance dance hall and different styles. And that's coming from different areas of the diaspora, but it's just so interesting how you see how dance hall and Afrobeat and Afro dance flow so easily together. Like there's just the styles, the music and the dance moves, like they just flow. So it's like, even though like there's differences in cultures, that doesn't take away from the fact that the root of it is still the same. Like you can't get away from the fact that we're all still connected. Right. So, and uh, I, I am definitely victim to um, just falling into that cultural, uh, I guess, fight and back and forth because like it gets to a point where you know you you just feel invalidated and invalidated from a sense of like yo like 
like you black like we we had to fight at some point together like back in the 60s back in the 50s like it didn't matter if you were caribbean this or african that like we were all black and eventually we got to this dialogue of like oh black people don't care about africans black people don't care about caribbeans and it's like africans don't care about black people they look down on us blah 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 like for you like how do you how do you avoid that or like how were you able to avoid that or how were you able to like like nah like let's just keep it black you know <laughs> definitely that like I don't avoid it like like I was saying like just we all come from the same roots so it's hard for me to just sit there and you know just let this divisive kind of talk still happen because it's, it's just like listening to it it's like I don't understand how people don't understand like that the diasporic unity is the strongest thing that could happen in this world. Like you can't just have your own segments and feel like, you know, everything is just going to be okay. Because like I said, like white supremacy is not just a country thing. Like this is happening globally. It's like, so just like we have our issues here and we have Stockholm syndrome towards these people, so do Caribbeans, because Caribbeans praise white people just as much as we do here, even though it's subtle. But like they've literally, they got us all around the world. So like we really need to come together and realize our, that our, um, we're more similar than we think. And even if we're not, we need to really uphold those differences and bring that together and like realize that that's what makes us beautiful just as much as our similarities and like it's really just going to keep on leading to more divisive kind of conversations and situations like to the point where we're not going to look out for each other like look what's happening in Africa like the African now African people are feeling like you know they can't depend or rely on us because they've been pointing out the fact that not a lot of people have been saying anything about it or they haven't been promoting what's happening with SARS or what's happening in the Congo. And like, that's not what I want to happen because I want us to feel like just as closely connected to our family in Africa as we do in the Caribbean and here and and, and every other place that has predominantly black people. So, yeah. you know, that's really- What's crazy is, you know, that feeling that that Africans and Nigerians are feeling like where it's like we feel like nobody is coming out like we all feel that like that feeling yeah. ignored like throughout the diaspora like we all feel that like being black in America like when you have you know literally kids getting killed by police like you feel lonely at times and I feel like this year uh, 2020 has been like the year of like let's pull down the curtain like everything that you couldn't see before you got to see now and Definitely. If, if you not down with it like like because it was so easy two years ago to say like oh yeah I'm fighting the fight like I'm down with y'all like now here's your chance to show up and yeah I think every four years that's the every four years like you get your chance to show up like yeah like everyone wants to be a Malcolm X, everyone wants to be a Martin Luther King, uh, Louis Stokely, like they, everyone wants to be them. But when given the opportunity, they always fall short for whatever reason. Yeah. 
But then it's like, where was the real preparation though? Like these people have been prepared, even not even if it wasn't physical, like nobody's saying we're gonna be going to war and we gotta get our like knives and get our bullets. But obviously that's also potential. But I'm saying like, that's not what we do. Like they were prepared mentally too. Like they knew what time it was. They're like, you know, this is bigger than me. Like even if I die, in the midst of this, like, this is bigger than me because I know what I'm fighting for. Yeah. I know that Gosh, that's it right there. who's that's coming with right there. <laughs> like, who's really coming with that energy? And, you know, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's really a mental, because like people are just so comfortable. And that's the thing, like we have these phones and we just have our little comfortable lives that it's like, what happens when shit really hits the fan? And it's like, okay, now we got to take action. Where are y'all? Like y'all still hiding behind your phones? What about what happened to you being up in front and you fighting? What happened to you making sure it don't happen and you going to get in front of everybody's face and make sure that we're going to really get this revolution going? Because just, oh, repost, repost. This is not, let me get on the post. Let me get in the front lines. Like Right. And then then beware of those who are like on the front lines with the camera. Like, yeah, I'm out here. Because that's not, I feel like- It's not going (laughs) to- Like, I mean, you, they, lines, you ain't got I, nothing but the weapons you need. Like they could get a, they, yeah, no. Like and we, and we we've seen that type of activism, and you and I have had that conversation as far as like everything dying down after like the whole summer wave of it, and it had like imagine what's going on in Nigeria now, like they, in, in the wave of like that after that after cry of like the George Floyd and Breonna Taylor, like just sweeping in to lift this up even higher. Like, oh my gosh, like that's, that's, that's the energy that's necessary, you know? Yeah, definitely. Like it has to be a momentum. You can't just stop and be like, okay, this is trendy right now. And my emotions are rattled a little bit. So I'm just going to be mad once everybody else is. And I'm just going to let that carry me and, you know, Black Lives Matter this, it's really trendy, you know, I got my momentum and then it's like, all right, it's not trending anymore. So I guess nobody needs to talk about it, you know? I, I think that frustrates me though, because it's like, someone said to, to uh, I forget who it was, but to be conscious, it means I'm messing up the whole thing, but to be conscious is to relatively be angry. Um, I mean, I, I don't really feel... I have mixed feelings about that, but... But what frustrates me is that we know it's going to be something else. Like, so, like, from, like, I guess, like, what's going on in Africa, before the end of the year, there's going to be something else significantly big that goes on either uh, globally or locally within this country. It's going to be something significant, whether it be somebody getting killed by white supremacy or another uprising. It's going to be something big. So because history has shown us that like white supremacy doesn't care about melanated skin, no matter where it is in the face on the face of this earth, like, I don't, I don't get this like downness of the energy. Like, all right, you go from revolutionary to, all right, let me, let me bring it back down, back to revolution. Like that just never, that I just can't fathom like why that, is a thing, it hasn't become a thing in our age, especially in the digital age where we literally have access to everyone across the country and we're 
mo were connected more than any other period of black people uh, in this, in this, in our existence, really. Mm -hmm. And uh, excuse me. And it's like, um, yeah, so we're, we're so connected. Could you imagine back in the 60s, like how the connection of social media would have uplifted everybody back then? Yeah, honestly. I mean, even back then, like they were still out there in the 60s, they still had a way, but I'm thinking that even maybe it could have been a crutch because when I think about it right now, like people are only using social media just to, you know, repost and feel like, okay, I've done my due diligence. But then it's like, all right, what happened to the rest of the work? Like, like I was physical change has to happen. Like this is when especially black men have to step into their position. Right. Obviously, we're not stepping in there too. And you know, it, the black women who feel like that's their position, like, okay, but most mostly it's gonna have to be black men. And that's that's what I'm saying. Like the white men know that this is what naturally happens right. when a people have been oppressed for years and years like in order for change to really happen this is gonna have to happen like there's gonna be combative episodes there's gonna be episodes where you're gonna have to really take charge and take action and that's when our men have to step forward but if we've been oppressed and if we've been beaten into submission all of these years and that's our new state of being then when it's time to really fight and when it's time to really, you know, take action, now nobody is ready. And I was just like, man, nah, right. this name change. We've been like this for years. Da, 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 da. And then it's like, where's the confidence? Where's the masculine energy? It's been beaten out of you. Literally. And Literally. Honestly, like this is what I'm talking about. Everything was by design. <laughs> like they really did a good job really messing us up. And that's crazy. No, it, it really is. And I think where we have to step up is like when you look at history, like white supremacy took out like the top figures as far as black men uh, historically, uh, you know, Malcolm X, um, Martin Luther King, list goes on and on of black men who sat at the top and were knocked off because of that, because white supremacy knows better and it knows how to adapt and, you know, maintain itself. And I think where we fall short is that we look for that one guy. We can't have another Malcolm X. Yeah. We can't have another Martin Luther King. It has to be 20 people up there interchangeably. Like it don't matter who you swap out. Like, like yeah. you're one, you got 19 to deal with and, and we're raising up somebody else to take hold of that 20. Yeah, like we're all the one, like we all could take that position. That's the thing. Like we don't need another one for history books. This isn't about history books. This is about real life change. And if they're looking for somebody to just be the icon, like that's not what this is about. <laughs> like if you, it in, if you feel it take over you, then do what you got to do. And then if pass it to your man, if he, if he feels the energy, like it's really, everybody has to take part. Right. And it has nothing like, I, so, so I don't, I don't necessarily believe like, like my method of change isn't that one guy sitting at the top because like, history has shown me that that makes you more vulnerable. Like you have to have a real fortress and like yeah. solid army. Literally, that's what, yeah. that's what the army is. Like nobody, I don't think 
if we would have asked him, uh, if we would have asked Malcolm X, like, would you have been like the one? Nah, I would have did everything I did, but I wouldn't have been like the face. Like, I believe all leaders would have changed that one detail about themselves in order to continue to move movement because it fractured it fractured people. Like, once you take out, once you take off the head of the snake, it's done. Then everybody, yeah, and that's exactly what happened. Yes, so it, 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 it's 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 crazy, honestly. Um, how how deep you can get into this conversation, and allow all the other things to take us away from it because we're still at the core of it, you know? Yeah. And like mm -hmm. when you have these conversations with people, like they don't like once they start getting deeper and deeper, they get away. Like they yeah. Oh all together that's what i'm saying like nothing is separate like it's all connected and once you really see that bigger picture everything you see all the pieces and like they're all connected so that's why like the people who kind of like lose sight of the message or the foundation is like the people who don't see the connections and like that's really the issue in, in with our people in the society is that like they're just viewing things from an isolated perspective it's okay Black men versus Black women. It's police brutality. It's white supremacy. It's politics. It's socialist classism. And they don't see that these all of these connect and they don't see how they connect, but it does. And that's what we have to keep our mind on because that's when we're really going to be able to have the structural foundations to collapse this system and create our new ones. Because once we see the structure and how it's been used against us, now we can take these same structures and use it to benefit us with our own structures, with the same foundation, but with a different purpose, with a higher intention. Right. And, and I, I like that to, you know, group it all together at the end, because that's, that's some heavy stuff. Um, so, so what, what are you into now that people can look out to you for? Um, well, right now I'm been, I've been still like doing my dances, so I'm getting into my dance classes soon, but I also like in terms of this topic or this, what we're doing now, like I've been trying to get more videos, like I've been journaling and I've been trying to create a, a book, kind of like a self-help book with different um, just quotes and affirmations and stuff of that sort. So hopefully I could get that out there soon. It's probably going to start with the ebook. I'm going to do more. I'm going to talk about it more a little bit. Oh, the ebook. <laughs> yeah. But I want it to be, I want it to be a physical copy too, but I'm going to also have it available for ebook, but yeah, definitely it's going to have different affirmations and just like words of wisdom, also some poetry and like some excerpts, like short excerpts. And yeah, so I've been doing little things here and there. Nice, nice, nice. Well, I, I always look forward to it, you know, uh, especially the ebook. I think that's going to be uh, pretty dope. Uh, you you give your gems here and there, you know. Um, yeah. I look forward to you dropping more. I feel like um, I feel like you're going. I feel this your urge to want to speak out more and say more. Yeah, definitely. So I, I I'm gonna enjoy seeing that come out of everything uh, especially in this moment so i'm sure all the journaling and what you got in store is gonna be crazy um mm -hmm. how can people uh follow you 
Um, oh, you can follow me on Instagram. My Instagram is Eliah, E-L-I-Y-A-H-M underscore. That's my Instagram. Um, Twitter is E-L-I-Y-A-H-M-C underscore. So, yes. Right. This this is this is can't get enough of, you know, uh, I do my thing when I can. Uh, we'll, we'll check in uh, on the next episode.